hoping that our guest, Ron Tabachinik, will be able to join us. We sent Ron the link. We've been having some link issues with him. I met Ron at a conference called Metal, hmm. and uh, he lives in Toronto. He, I like him a lot. He's a funny guy. And um, I, I sent him the link to the StreamYard recording, but we have yet to see him. We even had a conversation with him just for moments yeah, before. Do you want to call him and see if the link made it through? Ouch. Damn it. I tore my calf muscle Tuesday night. Yes, Ron. How's it going? Are you able to... I haven't got it yet, Mark. Well, uh... I sent it to you. Insightacall.com, right? Yeah. Insightacall.com. Yeah. Well, that's what we're trying to do. Um, okay, try this other one then. All right, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. While we are waiting, this is the funny, funny episode where we discuss humor. <clears throat> you know what's funny? Three old men trying to join a live stream podcast. <laughs> and Mark is muted. All right. So um, what's some funny things that have happened? Uh, Roe versus Wade is overturned. That's funny. Ha, 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 ha. I think today is celebrating something about Anne Frank. Google has on their Google logo something about her diary. It's kind of, yeah. So um, that's two strikes for humor. Let's see. What else? What else can we talk about that's funny? I tore my calf muscle. It's painful. It's just a constant pain. It's not that big a deal, though. Well, means I can't work out. So I can see that Mark is furiously attempting to. All right. Well, over. another link was sent. He's across the border in Toronto, and he's sitting here That's on my the phone. Problem we've, is... we've sort of got you on the show just on my phone <clears throat> with me. Welcome, Ron. Ron looks like an iPhone. Well, um, I should not have trashed the first email. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All um, right, so um, I don't know that Ron's really going to be able to. Where did he, he looks like the black oh, obelisk from two thousand one Space okay, Odyssey? I got, I got it here. Oh, this is okay. I got it now. All right, see you in a minute. He, he's represented by <laughs> the future of oh, humanity. Technology. It's amazing that we can even just drop someone in from Toronto, right? With the budget we have for the show. Yes. Well, apparently we can't. 
Greg's laughing because this is his chance to be quiet while I try to carry the show since he had to carry it for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, I'm really happy that Ron got the link because he's a kick man and he's in up to some really good stuff. I think you're going to enjoy talking to him. And right. um, I don't even know if Greg's going to edit this part out or probably not. I'm lazy you right now. Either. There he is. Ronald McDonald. Oh, here we go. Here we are, finally. <laughs> little chaos, little fun. Greg, meet Ron. Hello, I thought Ron. you called me finally. Hello, finally. I thought you called me finally. No, I called you Ron. Oh, no, it's no, Ronald. I called you finally after it's we Ronald. noticed you weren't in the room. No, it's Ronald uh, because my uh, unconscious decided to be a little more professional this morning. Okay, yeah. Ronald. Glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you bet. (sighs) So it's been a kind of a rush morning for me, a rush week for me. How about you, Greg? How was your week? You were just saying you you tore your calf while you were working? Yeah, I tore my calf muscle in my left leg. Badly? Bad enough where it hurts. But does it require surgery? No. Okay. So it just requires healing. What did you tear, Ronald? (laughs) I tore my um, uh, my uh, Achilles unconscious. All right, awesome. I so, um, I have to tell you, fellas, this is dangerous. Why? Okay. Because I only thrive on danger. I don't thrive on uh, uh, left brain stuff. I only thrive on right brain in connections. What's the difference? Yep. That's your problem. for those of us who can't see ronald's imagery because you're listening on the podcast he has uh, two brain hemispheres on his background one of which is gray and has geometric shapes and lots of lines and dots and connecting things and then the other one is a multicolored rainbow uh watercolor paint effect and uh, there's purple and green i see yeah what did you say? What's what's this? Who is this guy? His Who's name is this? Greg Wilker. He's he's the the moped outlaws. So why didn't you introduce me to him? I did. I said, <laughs> Greg, meet Ronald. You don't remember? <laughs> One second. Can we start again? <clears throat> <laughs> Where was I when you introduced me? Um, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Now you're calling me. Apparently. <laughs> See, I told no, you this was going to be fun. Uh, Greg, it's your turn. Go ahead. With what? <laughs> Whatever you want to. Uh, what do you think of me? Well, I've just met you. <laughs> you I look like a button-down chap. Uh, if you go inside and ask Greg to tell you what you think of me, you'll find out the truth. Oh, is it that easy? Yeah, that easy. <laughs> well, I think you're a brave man to saunter on to this podcast with a couple of nuts. Um, One a stranger, obviously. And uh, we, uh, Greg, we did this a few hundred years ago, but you forget because you were asleep. It's okay. I was embryotic at that stage. I know. We all were. <laughs> 
Well, what do you think of humor? Is it important? It's... <laughs> uh, do you know what humor is, Greg? No. I know. So <laughs> before you label it, Greg, before you label it, what's the experience? The experience now or the experience of humor? No, no, no. Greg, listen very carefully. I'm a little older than you, so you have to give me respect and attention. No, 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 I don't. No. <laughs> That'd be like Donald Trump walking into a room and saying, I'm a little older than you, so you need to give me respect and attention. Oh, how do you feel if you're a little older than me and I still want your respect and attention? Well, if you earned it, you'd have it. Oh, I have to earn it? Well, everyone earns it right off the top. I don't like when people say everyone because I haven't interviewed everyone, so I don't know. So why do you do that? Because that's the baseline where I start. Everyone has attention and respect. Okay. Do you want my attention and respect? I don't know yet. Oh, my God. Is this going to turn into the Bickersons overnight? Is this going to be like the shortest podcast ever? <laughs> well, I we're not. laughing, so that's a good start. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you again, Greg. Take away the label, and what's the experience, Greg? The experience of humor, I think, yeah. is what you're asking. Yeah, the experience of that word label. What do you think? What's the experience? Wait, the experience of that word label? Yeah, the, 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 when you say the word humor, you're pointing to something. What's the experience? Frivolity, lightness, joy. That's not an experience. An experience is something you feel. That's what I'm feeling. Frivolity, lightness, joy. No, you aren't. Warmth. You're fe- what, what does joy relate to? What does frivol... frivol- One second. Huh. What does frivolity point to? Laughter, laughing. Uh, Mark, how old is this guy? He's old enough to know what to do, but young enough to know better. Oh, okay. Uh, Greg, why? What's my problem, Greg? (laughs) (laughs) Your problem is you're on the Moped Outlaws right now, and you're not going to get a straight answer out of Greg. (laughs) Uh, Greg, do you realize that language is made up? Yes. No, you don't. (laughs) <laughs> well, if we don't trust each other, it's going to be a short conversation. Um, <laughs> why Why do you keep on saying this is a short conversation? No. Do, you, you, do you know anything, Greg? Do I know anything? Why do I you know ask- that you, um, like, I, you asked me a question, I gave you an answer, and you said, no, you're wrong. Yeah. When you're asking me about my knowledge and experience, so... What kind of a conversation is going to occur if my knowledge and experience when I'm answering honestly is challenged? But what is an experience? It's a great question. What is an experience? I'm having an experience right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question, Ronald. What is an experience? Please. I don't have an answer to that. Well, do me a favor. Greg wants to give you the answer. He does. 
<laughs> he's really <laughs> edging around. Um, you know, what comes to mind is it's a combination of chemical release in a biological machine along with eth- um, ethereal elements that we don't really understand on a physical plane, such as emotions, imagination. So an experience, it's definitely something I think is important. Like I believe that the best teaching element in life is experience. You and I could jabber about something all day long, but unless it's really experienced, there's no learning that happens. Yes, exactly. So... So the point that I want to make to you that took me 70 years to realize is I was not allowing myself to feel my experiences. And what I'm noticing with most men and some women that we were not allowed to feel when we were kids. So the point that I want to make more for me than for you, Greg, is that when I was a kid, it wasn't okay to cry. It wasn't okay to yell. It wasn't okay to swear. It wasn't okay to say certain things. And what I found out was when I was four, three, four, five, I wrote that like a commandment on my body. And all through my life up until about three months ago, I realized I was having feelings but it wasn't okay to feel them because my mother said, don't cry, don't feel. And in my family, I never saw my mother cry. I never saw my father cry. I never saw my brothers cry. I only saw my grandfather cry one time when we lost a cousin. And what I want to mention to you right now, my challenge is I would like to feel my experiences because I've had a lot of experiences, but my unconscious or my conscious, which one of them, I'm not sure has not allowed me to, at this moment, even now to feel what I want to feel. Well, what do you want to feel? A connection with you. And what I noticed was when I put that word in my mind, I noticed that's the only thing that's really important to me and i'm thinking what is important to me i really don't know what important to me is but it's important to me at a level that right now it's not okay to feel that it's important for me to connect with this guy over here on this thing called a computer what happened three months ago ronald that opened the gateway for you my brother said stop it (laughs) your brother what my brother said, stop it. Ah, and how did that impact you that it may, had you open the gateway to all these feelings? <clears throat> Very good question. And it only opened it a little bit because I, we, I, I don't know about you, but I am so powerful. I am so intelligent. I'm so funny. I'm so emotional that I can feel it building up. And every so often, if, if Mark, if you said something to me that was a trigger, the energy that would come out after the 70 years would be so powerful, 
it, I believe it could hurt you as it has a couple of people in my life when they touched a sore point. So you've got more pent up emotional energy than the, the relative trigger is warranted for, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Well, I want to let you know that you're not responsible necessarily for other people's level of reaction to it. Now you want to calibrate your communication. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Greg and I can handle you. Like, so you, we're not worried. And one of the gateways that opens you up to being able to let those feelings through is realizing that it's okay if people get upset. It's okay if they have a reaction. And the, there are layers to it. People are responsible for their own reactions, not just you. Well, I agree with you, except that with the threat of going to jail, that scares the f- out of me. Right. Yes. Well, emotions don't usually put you in jail. But yeah, when, when when this one person said something and I don't remember what she said, it was the first time in my life. And this was two years ago. First time in my life in my life I ever raised my hand to hit hit a woman. I hope and, you stopped yourself. I'm sorry. Did you stop yourself or did you hit her? I stopped myself. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> but I'm saying to you that. I realized at that time I had so much pent up energy for some reason, because I wasn't allowed to feel my feelings all these years that I noticed sometimes it comes out in sarcasm. It comes up in being confrontational. And I have experienced that I got these experiences, but even now it's, it's pent up something that the energy is not flowing. And I remember many, many years ago, I learned from Krishnamurti. Do you know Jiddu Krishnamurti, anybody? Mm-hmm. Never met the woman. I'm sorry? No, Never met the not woman. not a woman. She's not a woman? He's not a man? It's a very fluid culture we live in, Mark. I understand. It's Krishnamurti. Yes. So Jiddu Krishnamurti was one of my mentors about 40 years ago. And he reminded me something that I've been reminding myself right now. Number one is language is made up. All this is made up. We think it means something and it really doesn't, but we think it does and thinking gets in my way. So one of the things he said to me, he said, Ron, a tree is not a tree. I said, what? He said, a tree is not a tree. And after listening to him for about two years, I realized the word is not the experience. So what I notice is a lot of the words I'm using now is really not the experience that I'm having because of the wrong, not wrong, of the incorrect label. And so when you're you look- attempting to communicate your experience right now? Yes. And I'm thinking, why? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) And Greg, I mentioned to myself, I said, Ron, I sometimes I talk to myself and that I said maybe 50 years ago, why are you saying anything? 
And Greg, I found out I don't know anybody in the world because I've interviewed everybody. <laughs> every single person. I've interviewed every single person. And in their own way, they're saying, I don't know why you want to say anything. I know why I want to say something. I don't know why you don't want to say anything, why you want to say something. And it intrigues me to this moment. Why am I passionate? Uh, Greg, Greg, this is passion, Greg. You may, you may not realize it. It but, looked like epilepsy. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't feel it, but I'm expressing it, which I don't understand, that I'm passionate about getting this message across to these two people in this computer of mine. Why? It matters. What is the message? You want to step outside and ask that question? Yes. I'll be right back. <laughs> no, no, wait for me. <laughs> It's a long walk to Tipperary or Toronto in this case. <laughs> have you ever tipped Tipperary? I never have. <laughs> only in the dark. Only in the dark. I, I, only in the restaurant, I thought. <laughs> I tipped a terrarium once. It wasn't quite the same. Oh, my God. Did it spill? Uh, no, it was empty. Ah, so that's why it wasn't really a terrarium, but was a piece of glass dreaming of being a terrarium. Exactly. That's the point. It was a piece of glass dreaming of being a whatever that word is. Terrarium. A terrarium. (laughs) If, If there's five sides of glass and an open top, but there's no rocks, is it really a terrarium? I don't know. If a no tree falls in a forest, do you hear it? No. (laughs) <laughs> I like the part about words being something we made up. Oh, really? <laughs> True. <laughs> now, so the other thing is, I've learned so much in my in my three years of life, Greg. The rest of the time, I was asleep. That I became aware that I I am a genius when it comes to problem solving, basically in language. And the thing that I, again, I want to toot my horn, that when you give me a problem in words and I give you a solution, they're in words. So all I did was rearrange the words that you already had the solution in your mind or else you wouldn't get it. So I have found out that playing with words you have the solution right there. We played with the words enough. It's a, it's a semantic trick. It's a trick of semantics. No, don't be anti-semantic. It really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I wanted to throw that in there to make you smile. Do you know Edward de Bono, Greg? No. Never met the woman. Uh, Mark, do you know him? What's the name again? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, let's go on to another topic. Do you know Okay. Uh, Edward, Edward de Bono, he's an Ed, actor. Ed, no. <laughs> it's better that you don't guess and show <laughs> your show your naivety. Okay. I I live in have you ever heard the phrase lateral thinking? Yes. I use that in my life and people don't like it. Now, Greg, what I want to mention to you. <laughs> Well, wait, what is lateral thinking? It's a matter of solving problems using an indirect and creative approach via reasoning that is not immediately Can you obvious. Can that off something? Now, did you see this? Yeah, it looks like a bingo ball. Oh, my God. This is my baby. Oh, dear. I don't want to know the mom. 
Now, some people have dogs that look like their owners. I've got a baby that looks like me. Oh, he's and, holding up a red ball, which has a, a glass sur- opening to it. That a you lot can of see little strips of paper, of paper in. in. Now, they have words on them. For the last 40 years, last 40 years, I've been using this to help people solve problems. And the success rate is? Uh, she won. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, well, he passed away. <laughs> <laughs> but so what I, what I want to share with you that I'm from a very different world than you ever have been. I'm from the world of lateral thinking. And Edward de Bono was a doctor 48 years ago that traveled around the world talking to people about this phrase called lateral thinking, looking at a problem from a different perspective. Did he and also have he, a red ball with a face on it? Um. Mark, was he allowed to enter that question right then and there? <laughs> Is Mark our daddy? <laughs> Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Your so, daddy. Um, so, so uh, uh, Greg, Greg. All right. So um, we have a problem. I keep interrupting your very important trias here. And so let's solve it with this baby. Now, first of all, do you know where the word problem came from? Well, I bet you don't exist. It's just made up word. I you see that that's your problem. <laughs> you don't even realize the original meaning of the word problem. <laughs> now, because I did you like Latin in school, Greg? I did. Yes. Mark, did you? I don't think I ever had any exposure to it until I was married in the Catholic Church. Well, I, for some unknown reason, the vice principal, who I hated in my school, taught Latin, and I fell in love with Latin. Didn't realize why, and to this day, I don't know why, but I remember when I started teaching people to think inadvertently and differently, I looked up the word problem in the dictionary. Now, Greg, you never did this because you never did this. The word problem. I really am feeling in my body a strong desire to have you pull out one of those pieces of paper. Let's see what it says. I don't pull it out. What? I turn the knobs. And then what? And mixes up 15,000 words. Okay. And, and counting. Word, pardon? And counting. It's just 15,000 now. You might add some later, right? No, I can't add any more. It's 15,000. I took a Webster dictionary and took out all the pronouns and the adge- and the uh, the other crazy words. The adverbs. Uh, no, and I kept adverbs, uh, uh, verbs, nouns, and adjectives in here. And there are fifteen thousand three hundred and twenty-one. Okay, so inside then what? here. So then what? What do you mean? Then what? How does this work? Like, what's the point? The point is. Do you have a problem right now in your world besides me? <laughs> no, I think you are my only problem. <laughs> okay, so if I'm your only problem, right now you may only have one way of solving this problem. Okay. I guarantee it if you and Greg, no, you're Greg, you and Mark get together with me and we come up with 50 ways of solving this problem, one of them is going to be a natural way for you to solve this problem. No, but still, Ronald, like what, like you have 15,000 words in this red globe thing. Can you see anything in there? 
Um, Admiral. There you go. Okay. Now, we never thought about sailing. Have you ever sailed? Uh, yes. Oh, shit. Okay. What's, yeah. an, what's an admiral? Uh, I think it's uh, like a leader of a navy. Okay, so he's a leader of a navy. Yeah. He's a leader of a ship. Yeah. So Is it just you, one ship or a bunch of ships? <laughs> well, it could be a French ship or it could be a master ship or it could be a, uh, uh, you know, a apprentice ship. I'm not sure a commander which commander of a fleet or naval squadron or naval officer of very high rank. A so butterfly that has dark wings with bold, colorful markings. So okay, there's so it could be a fleet of ships. Okay. So if you take a look at your problem with me and you bring in the ship experience, the metaphor, okay. or the better butterfly metaphor, and you imagine that you and I are on the butterfly. So these pieces of paper don't ever come out of this globe. It's just what the individual can see through that clear window. Yes. Okay. And what I have noticed is that when I have a challenge and I'm focused on solving it only a certain way, I have realized that is my challenge because I'm, I'll say I'm stuck and I don't know what to do other than trying to figure it out myself. When I was a kid, I had to figure everything out myself. I was not allowed to ask anybody for help and asking somebody for help in school is cheating. So there was a guy who teaches university somewhere in the States. He, he encourages cheating. Nice. So the point I want to mention to you, if you have a challenge with me and you ask Greg, I'm sorry, you're Greg. If you ask Mark, Mark, and you were honest with him since you never have been honest in your whole life. And you say, Mark, I got a problem with this guy, Ron. If you had this problem and give him your problem, what would you do? You may find out, especially if Mark is a stranger, you may find out he gives you an idea that you never thought of that makes sense to help you solve the problem. So the point that I have found out, the word problem comes from two Greek words, problema. Are you writing this down? No. no. Oh, my God. We are recording it, though, so we'll no, have it. recording is one thing. He's not going to watch it again. If you wrote down problema. Ronald, you seem to feel like you have these gems of wisdom that I should be soaking up in this prime opportunity I have in my life. Problema. You're right. Translates as issue. Why? Why am I? Why am I even? There's a whole Greg. That's the problem. Why don't I even want to share these insights to you that it may have no value whatsoever? Well, you said at the beginning, like you wanted to experience and feel a connection with me, right? Right. So yeah. So a diatribe is not really a great way to connect with an individual. Okay, go ahead. I won't say anything then. But then, well, Well, I'm not asking for that either, because then I end up being the person giving a diatribe. (laughs) So what is what is three diatribes be add up to? (laughs) A triab. (laughs) (laughs) It's no longer a diab. It's a triab. It's a a triatribe. I tried a tribe once. They wouldn't have me. 
So, <laughs> Greg, what would you there. like to talk about, Greg? Um, well, I, I am enjoying what you're talking about. I didn't ask you that. Why don't you answer my question? Okay, so I'm I'm good with this. I am good with problem solving and words and feeling. So, what would you like to talk about? Okay, let me ask you this, Ron. I, I'm letting you go Ronald. ahead. His Ron, name's no, Ronald. He's, he's referring to himself as Ron. Now, I'm learning to call myself Ronald. Cause... Mark keeps trying to be my dad all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's your um, problem, it's, is you think I'm your dad. <laughs> Wait, no, that's my problem. I think I'm everybody's dad. And the reason that's my problem is because I always wished my dad was around more. There you go. Oh, I think dear. that's my problem. See, there you go. See, Greg, Mark wants to say something, Greg. He didn't have to bring that up, but for some reason, Mark wanted to bring that up because he's got something that he wants to express. Yeah, what's my problem? (laughs) Let's look at the red baby. (laughs) I'm up for that. Can we do that again, Ronald? Is there a way we can talk about me and my dad and who's 81 and... Um, so if you if you're, if we were your therapist in a private room and nobody was listening, what would you ask us is your, in quotes, problem with your relationship with your dad? My quote problem, which no one is hearing but us, <laughs> is uh, the thing that I made up in my mind that has me uh, somewhat inadequate because of my relationship from my father. Like, why do I think that's my problem? So what, so Greg, what did he just say? (laughs) (laughs) Are you taking notes, Ron? Uh, (laughs) He said that he has this aspect of his relationship with his dad in which he feels inadequate. And then I didn't quite catch the jump. Right. To the Should problem. I clarify it? Ronald? Yes. Would have, yes. Right. yes. So I make up this story about my relationship with my dad. And then I use that story to inform the false belief that I'm somehow incomplete as a man. Inadequate. Inadequate. Okay. Now, uh, Greg, you, you noticed that Mark said it one way initially. Mm-hmm. You said it a little bit differently the second time. Mm-hmm. Mark said it a little bit differently the third time. And if I put my two cents in, I am not going to be able to say it exactly the way Mark said it. Right. You realize that, Mark? Yeah. And what Is that I know. Is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> And the the only problem you have is you think it's a problem, and it isn't. <laughs> Great. I'm so glad it was that simple. Because we the word problem to... means whatever's in front of you is for you to deal with. So what's the Greek you were going into that? No, it's Latin. I tell Ruth. Pro means forward or in front of. Okay. And blemma, back when I created that word a few thousand years ago, blemma means literally to throw. And what happened back then is that whatever was in front of this person, his buddy said, pro-blemma, whatever's in front of you is for you to do do something with. 
That's number one. The second definition of problem is give it to somebody else. <laughs> now, now you laugh, but the thing I am, is, we're, I'm shipping our whole Washington D.C. to you guys in Canada. Exactly. <laughs> if you gave, if you gave us their problem, if they wanted us to solve, they don't want to solve their problem. Number one, but if you if you realize that in business, when you hire a salesman to get you business. You're giving him part of your problem. So business is the second definition of the word problem. In the personal world, we were not taught that it's okay to ask a stranger, if this was your problem, what would you think? And Mark's only challenge is he's got one way of looking at it. And the one way of looking at it inside of that is the blessing. And the blessing is not the auditory, but it's a visual. And if Mark was to sit down with me and if we were to do a a graphic of his relationship with his father, or if we had um, blocks that we had as kids and we used those blocks and moved them around on the table as demonstrating the relationship with his father He's going to find a few other ways of looking at it, of experiencing it. And then if he were to let Mark give him the insight, he would find out there's a blessing there. Are you familiar with family constellations? Family? Constellations, like star constellations? Um, I remember there, about a, two or three months ago, I was talking to a Somebody who told me about this guy who talks about family constellations. Yeah. And then what you're talking about reminds me of this practice that I'm familiar with, which also, I believe, leads one to different points of view that they wouldn't have seen otherwise. Exactly. The thing is, what's interesting is it's all the same thing, but we don't realize it. What you're saying and what I'm saying is exactly the same thing at the core. Right. Yes. And I have found out that if Mark happens to like um, the stars or the constellation, he may appreciate the lesson or the blessing from that as applies to his situation with his father. Or he may find out, hey, it's not a problem. It's something for me to realizes the is a blessing so i've learned change the word and something happens just by by playing calling it something else and when we change the word and play with it and have fun with it turn it into a song turn it into a movie you find out that something happens with the vibration of that relationship where it changes a little bit where all of a sudden Mark gets a a niggle or a sensation in his body that says, as a feeling, oh, so that's what I'm supposed to learn. So So my daddy, my daddy, my daddy, I think he abandoned, but it's not true. He just (laughs) went and did the thing that was right for him to do. And what I learned, what I can do, what I need to do to, and that's the lesson of the abandonment blues. Now, do me a favor. There's a charge on the word abandonment that we've learned incorrectly. 
And the thing I want to share with you, Mark. I'm all ears and eyes. When you, when you write, when, when, when you write down in words this issue you have with your father, you'll find out that some of the words have a, what I call a charge. And there's a message in that charge that's not obvious to us. But there's a, a feeling that is triggering that word abandonment that we've been learning for the last 75, 80 years. You know what it, what it is. And well, ever you, since I made it up, actually. Well, it's since you made it up. But taking responsibility for some things that you made up, you may find out is another interesting example. But I noticed that when I was four years old, I made something up and I played it to the hilt until about three months ago. And so I decided, since I am a uh, responsible, uh, not really too responsible, that I'm an intelligent guy, that I have a lot of good perceptions that I learned now, I have decided, since these are my perceptions, I went back in my history, and every one of those traumas that I experienced, I said, hey, there's a blessing there. There's a horse in that horse shit. And for the strangest reason, I've noticed that my unconscious, whatever that is, was giving me another insight that I wasn't aware of at the time because I made it as a commandment when I was four years old, not realizing it was my mother's issue. It wasn't even mine. This was her issue. And I have so a question for you. Yes, sir. How is your relationship with your brother today? I'm brother, where'd he come from? He's the one who um, said that thing to you that opened up your consciousness three months ago. Oh, oh my God. He told you to stop. Where'd that come from? What are you thinking about? I was on a different track. (laughs) No, it's all the same track. I know, I know. Right now, uh, Greg, thank you for bringing that up. We have the greatest relationship right now, and you're like... And Mark is like the kind of brother I have right now that I hated growing up. (laughs) Why why is he laughing? Why are you laughing? Mark and I are embodying embodying the kind of brother you hated most of your life. (laughs) But the the thing, he was an engineer. Do you know about engineers? They're all left brain. Yeah, they have very literal lateral thinking. Very literal. And he was, my brother is so plugged up, he's constipated with these emotions. And I didn't realize it. I also am constipated with my emotions. But when my brother and I saw this video of uh, Bob Newhart playing a psychiatrist, did you see it? I'm a Bob Newhart fan, and it's ringing a bell. It's been a long time since I've he seen any of this. He played a psychiatrist on a TV show for literally like. Oh, 10 that was seasons. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in one in one of the scenarios, he was talking to a person who said, "I feel like I'm going to be buried in a box." And he talks to her, and the way why my brother does it is because we do it with each other. She said, "I feel like I'm going to be buried in a box." And he said, have you ever been buried in a box? She says, no. And uh, he said, okay, here's the therapy. It's going to cost you $5. <laughs> he says, I don't take change. I don't take checks. I take checks. I don't take, uh, I, I don't give you change. 
and it's going to cost $5, takes five minutes. And she says to him, uh, should I take out my pad and paper? He says, well, it's two words. I don't think most people have to worry about learning two words. And she says, okay. So he says, here's the therapy. You ready? He says so to her as he leans over the desk, stop it. <laughs> so what I want to share with you, my brother and I, we realized, Ron, stop it. We're insane. We've been trying to solve the same problem over and over and over again, expecting to get a different answer. I have become a, an NLP therapist. I have become a guy who is an ultra crepidarian. And I have found out is I've learned all this wonderful stuff. I still got the problem. <laughs> so I think it's important, Ronald, that you talk about what an ultra crepidarian is. Um, but that's well, my problem. <laughs> and now you've made it ours. Um, <laughs> you, Greg, Greg, do you remember uh, Professor Irwin Corey? Was that the white-haired guy? Yeah. Yes. You remember his shtick? God, uh, I know he bumbled around a lot. Okay, yeah. Um, he bumbled around a lot. He would be invited on to Johnny Carson and all these shows, and he had a gift of being so erudite. You like that word? I do. I don't know what erudite mean, though. <laughs> I love the word. What's it mean? means very knowledgeable. Okay. That he would express himself with a, a plethora of, you know what plethora is? That I do. Okay. Oh, oh shit. Okay. A plethora. Yeah, good of, try, Ron. Good try. <laughs> I'm trying to do a diatribe. Okay. And he would get up there and he would say, in the conclusion, let me begin by expressing that the perplexity of simple things can be complicated if you look at it in another different way. And as I've said before, adamantly, with passion and kindness and sincerity and believability, that, where was I? Oh, that the constellation, constellation, did you like that word? The constellation of the stars became a metro golden ware you like that Metro Golden Wear? It's a dress. It's selling Tupperware now. <laughs> Tupperware. The point that I found out, Greg, that I can have I have a gift of talking BS and being professional about everything. And an ultra crepidarian is an expert who gives you his opinion on everything outside of his abilities. <laughs> a politician. <laughs> And I found out about a month ago, I was talking to some guy on one of these networking events, and he says, you know, there's a word for that? I said, you kidding? Yeah, he said, there's a word for like that about what I do, sometimes BS, which is called an ultra-crepidarian. <laughs> I like it. Is it ultra-trepidarian? I like that. Ultra, the word ultra, then crepidarian. Okay, intrepidarian, ultra intrepidarian. No, no, not intrepid. Listen to me. I'm trying to. I know you're, you're yelling. <laughs> you're very, you're very trying, Greg. Okay, the word, That's what I've been told. <laughs> that's why I've been practicing to tell you to write things down. So don't, <laughs> don't trust your mind. Ultra, you know word the word ultra. Yeah, that's the beginning of that Marvel bad guy. 
Yes. And, the and then crepe, like it, what we served at Mama's, crepe. Like crepe. crepe. It's like a crepe. And the second one it's is crepe. And then, like, there's Darien, like one of the seventh musketeer. Ultra crepidarian. And that's how you remember that word, by making mm-hmm. it into a picture. Okay. So when you see somebody that's like me, you'll see the picture of the ultra. You see a crepe and Darien, and you say, oh, that, that's who that is. All right. That's another way of remembering wonderful words. So do you like this career move you've made? Uh, I'm still constipated. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the reason why I'm trying this is I've tried everything else, and I haven't been, make, been able to make money in the last 70 businesses I've been in, Greg. So oh, wow. I thought when Mark mentioned last week about his interest in humor, I said, oh, 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 oh. I've never heard anybody talk about that in the business world. I said to Mark, whatever I said, I don't even remember. One second. What did I say? Yeah, that's what I said. It was on uh, the third of the fourth, the the constellation of uh, Gonanimous in the uh, third field of the highlights of... uh, of, or her, I think or we need to go back to baby. Can you bring baby, baby back into the picture? And so I wanted to talk to Mark about something that I I would love to do, but I I, I need to make a living, even though I don't have to. And well, I, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said you failed at the last seventy businesses you've been in. Yeah. But you also just shared that you don't need to make a living. Your living is made. So there is some success going on somewhere in your life. Do you read lips? Yeah. <laughs> don't 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 bring out the obvious, please. I'm in my dream and leave me alone. <laughs> oh, so you want to be an American. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm living I'm living off of, of a small uh government pension. Okay. And I'm 78. I'm still here right now. I'm living like a king on a very small pension. That's awesome. No, it isn't. Because for the last, <laughs> um, unbelievable, for the last 75 years, I, I, I've been working on this belief system that it's not okay to make money. Okay, but and, you're living like a king. Like, how much more do you want to be a god? How much more do you want? Okay. I'm living, my brother is a multimillionaire, and I'm living in his basement on a golf course. All right. And, so the golf ball's coming through the window is a bit of a problem. But other than that. He's in a basement. There's no windows. That's the problem. <laughs> so the point is, my brother. Well, me in America him. call that a dungeon. Your brother's a psycho. <laughs> No, it's like a generous person. My brother is a very generous person. Unfortunately, not because he wanted to be, because he felt uncomfortable having me live out in the street. Okay. And to the point I want to mention to you, when I was a kid, my belief came. My belief came. Why did you say that? (laughs) I had a belief. Go to baby. (laughs) Go go to baby. (laughs) That if you have money... You're a somebody, and if you don't have money, you're a nobody. And what I noticed was I took the negative, and my brother took the positive. 
And for the life of me, for the life of me, why do I say that? <laughs> well, because it's been 75 years of this. For the 75 years that I, I decided that not to have money because people wouldn't like me and I wanted to be likable. So I was lying to myself up until about three months ago when I realized I would call you on the phone to sell you something and became a master at getting an appointment with you. But I just wanted to talk to you because I didn't have what it took to close the deal. And but I had a lot of business friends right now in many different businesses that were friends, but never did business with them. And I wanted to make money because I had this belief I needed money to feel worthwhile. And I don't feel worthwhile because I don't have the wealth that my brother has. Have you ever thought of doing stand-up? I don't like being up on the stage and just doing that. I like engaging with with people. I didn't like – I have done stand-up. I've done improv. And I found the engaging with people is the piece that was missing. But that stand-up is absolutely engaging with people. The difference, I'd say, with improv and stand-up is improv, you're engaging with people, others on the stage. Stand-up, yeah. you're engaging with whoever's in the room. No, but except there's one way because the diatribe. Well, there is that element. That's what they're there. That's what they're hoping for in this case, though. So the point that I want to mention to you is that, again, you may be correct that that would be a good thing for me to do. It's just that I haven't done it yet because I haven't learned the lesson from you that you're teaching me. That maybe, I, maybe, I, I, maybe I should have been doing that for the last 50 years. Maybe the three of us ought to go on the road together. <laughs> right? I, I can, we could find a used moped, but I'm not sure we'd all fit. Greg, can you, Greg, imagine the three of us are on stage. I start, I start, um, the, our, one of us starts the conversation on stage with the audience. And then we find a very elegant way that eat, uh, the Greg, you come on and Mark, you come on, or the three of us come on like the three stooges, or we find out that let's talk about things that the audience would love to talk about, which is what they want to talk about. And say, as an example, it's relationship, or it's finding love, or if Greg had about making money, how let's talk about what it takes. Let's making money because that's the thing we all want to like figure out, right? And we all want to figure it out very humorously. Yeah, to be joyful and easeful as we roll in the dough. And if the people in the audience want to want to, if the people in the audience want to make money, maybe we could. Can you imagine we help them make money? We could start by paying a buck for every prompt. We say, all right, we'll give you a buck. Say something. We've got to have some dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. I mean, can you imagine how quiet it would be? All right, we're going to base our whole comedy. I don't know. Once that first dollar, dollar rolls out, the first person that real says something. <laughs> no, one second. Two of you were talking at the same time, and I only have one ear. So what am I going to do? Um, I see two ears on your head. Yeah, but there's only one inside. Uh, Greg, did you see? Did you see in and of itself? No. So do me a favor. See, and this, I'm serious. Since I've been lying up until this point in time, <laughs> <laughs> to tell you the truth, I would like you to take a look at in and of itself. Okay. And the reason why 
if I have a reason, is that this guy had the audience in there, his hands. And he he was on uh, Off-Broadway for a year and a half. And every night he did the same program with a different group of audiences. And what I found that I would like to do, and maybe we three of us could do this seriously as a business, is something along that line that we go and do a TED Talk, three of us. I've never seen a TED Talk where there have been more than one person. And we may be able to do something on TED Talk that can launch our something. Our ship of fools. Our our full ship. Our, our castaway of casts. Or called castaways. We're called castaways. So I'm going to do a thought experiment right now. You ready? Okay. We're going to say a sentence, one word at a time, going in a circle. I'm going to say a word. Greg, you're going to say a word, and you're going to say a word, Ronald, and we'll stop when we're all laughing. That was good. Well, I was I gotta say, Ronald, you sharing your life and where you are and your brother was more I felt more engaged with you in that moment. Then and I'm not putting down any of the other fifty six point fifty three moments just, that we've you just had. Put them down. No, I'm not. Then don't you say it. Sound like I am because it. of the tone of my voice. But I don't want you to read too much into the tone. I of my already voice. To understand you. I have to read something into it. No, just read the paper or read something else. Just listen to the words that we made them up years and years ago. But I can imagine, like I, in a way, I, I'm in the same boat, very, very similar boat. Are we sinking? I'm, are we sinking? I'm no, right gifted. now we're flying. And I'm, flying boats are funny, just of themselves. I'm gifted a room in someone's home that I haven't earned other than of their good heart, you know? Like, in other words, so... <sighs> I just imagine that your brother saying stop it three months ago, that kind of like opened up. But you've been on this path for decades. Like you said, you know, Ariarty Marty, who you were following 40 years ago, who said that isn't a tree. You know, you've been on a path and quest of what's really going on probably your whole life, right? Yeah. So this three-month thing is just yet another epiphany of sorts in this master climb you've been undergoing your whole life. Yep. Yep. And Greg, you'll say one word that'll fit into this puzzle of mine. And all of a sudden the pieces fall and say, Oh my God. (laughs) I don't expect that to happen. (laughs) Well, stop it. Stop it. Exactly. Exactly. What, ha- what happens if you realize, if I realize, and if Mark realizes that every word that comes out of our mouth has value? Can you imagine if we can embrace that with other people, that everything they say has value? Well, I, I believe I do 
that's my whole thing going back to the beginning. Everyone has respect and the right to be heard right from the get-go. Now, there's the potential that will erode that. But that's even like, let's take a look here in the United States. We just had this Roe versus Wade thing go down. Now, I have my opinion and my thoughts about it. But I saw on the news this one woman who was exuberantly celebrating what had just happened. She'd been praying for it for so long, and finally it was realized. And in her, I saw her joy, and I saw, like, wow, like, this is a dream realized. And I give credence to her experience of what happened. Yeah, I'm not giving credence to someone whose joy is all about controlling other people. Like, forget that. No. Well, you sound like you're trying to control her and not giving her the space. To no, I'm trying to control you experience. for uh, honoring her. That's who I'm trying to control. <laughs> <laughs> How's that working out? <laughs> but that, We're laughing, that aren't we? The whole conundrum is here we are. Like, how do we, humanity, who have these opposites like magnets who are driven apart like when you have the the same pole pointing to each other it's like the energy's pushing it apart how do we live together guess what it's the opposite greg you what? think it's pulling apart but they really are related or else there wouldn't be this passion well, or this whatever you want to call it Right. That's that's exactly that's on point, Ron. That's so the answer, point. Greg, is this. We get together and we do that thing we do with words. And then the humor opens up a pathway of synergistic oneness instead of divisionary dupi- duplicity. I thought you were going to say right. duplicitous. Duplicitous. And that's part of what I know. It's like when, it, when we have anger, it drives apart. Now, what I want, Greg, be very careful. I want you to learn something from me at this moment. There is no anger, Greg. Wow. <laughs> Greg, Does that make you anger, angry when he tells you that? A- anger, anger is not anger, Greg. Anger is a label pointing towards something happens that in your body. Well, what is orgasm orgasm? No. Yes. It's all made up. Is laughter laughter? No. Oh, what are we doing here? (laughs) That's a great question. That's the philosophical thousand dollar question. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Yeah. And who asked that question? Oh, stop it. (laughs) Recording stopped.